Apple hyped up its new M1-powered MacBooks, but do they really run that long and that quietly? We've got your answers. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is Dan Ackerman, who runs our laptop reviews, and has been playing around with all these new Macs that are running the custom M1 processor. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Good to be here. So before we get to your verdict, which Macs did Apple send you? Did they send all of them? Like how long, And how long have you been using them? You know, it's only been since late last week, just just a handful of days, but I got all three of the new Macs that have the M1 chip in them, and that's the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, and also the Mac Mini, that little desktop uh, that Apple forgets about for a few years and then comes back to every once in a while. All right, so bottom line, do they live up to the hype? I would say they live up to some of the hype. Uh, the hype is a little bit preliminary because a lot of the things that you may want to do with these Macs require software that is not optimized for them yet. It's running in emulated mode. But the two big things that I think consumers are taking away from this are, number one, the MacBook Air has lost the fan. It's now a fanless system, which is nice in a lot of ways. That is true. And also in the preliminary testing I did, battery life is fantastic. Uh, so that is that is two big things that I think uh, they have definitely lived up to the hype on. Let's take them one at a time. We'll start with the MacBook Air because that is far and away the most popular in the MacBook lineup. How has the Mac been, MacBook Air been for you? And that the fanless configuration, is there a real difference in the experience? Do you, I mean, does it run quieter or what, what exactly, how exactly is it running this thing? Yeah, the MacBook Air has always been one of my favorites. I used to call it the most universally useful laptop you can buy. It's just a, a great middle ground for a lot of people to at least start from when they're considering what laptop to get. Uh, usually it's not that loud, but sometimes it can get that fan kicks in and it's like a PlayStation 4. You just hear out of nowhere this big, this big fan noise. You're like, is, is that happening in my lap right now? That's, that, that's crazy uh, because you know, it's doing a lot. I get it. Even even the base uh, MacBook Air, which just ships with a you know Intel Core i3, or it did until until recently. So I tested the early 2020 MacBook Air. This thing was just refreshed back in like March with the new M1 version. On the outside, they look the same. They haven't changed the body. If you're looking for great new developments like you know extra ports or a touchscreen or uh, HDMI output, you know anything like that, you're not getting any of that. It's all on the inside. The big changes are on the inside. They got rid of the fan replaced it basically with an aluminum heat spreader, which just is a big you know, heat sink that dissipates heat. And of course, it's got that M1 chip in it. And at least in the testing I did, obviously it's much quieter because there's no fan. And I'm a fan, I'm a fan of removing moving parts. That's like two in a row. I'm a fan of not having a fan and removing moving parts wherever possible. So anything, fans, spinning hard drives, optical drives, that's the stuff that breaks down the most frequently when we talked about the game consoles, I, I think I said one of the big advantages of the older ones had spinning optical drives and spinning hard drives. And that's what breaks down parts that move. So when you get rid of that stuff, you actually have a more reliable product. And when I ran a battery test on the air, you know, it ran for almost 17 hours on my video streaming test, which is a little bit, a little bit, not much, a little bit tougher than I think the test Apple does. And they said they got 18 hours out of it. And that is, that's a big thing, right? The, the big selling point here is this thing, because, you know, fewer moving parts, runs off of this mobile processor, it's supposed to last a lot longer. Do you think that holds up over time? Or is that, you know, this is sort of a, a new MacBook or new battery uh, impression? And, you know, it, it it'll wear down over time or that that difference wears down over time. 
I think Apple is going to send a strike team to your house now because you call the M1 a mobile processor and they're going to think you're calling <laughs> it like a phone, a phone chip. Uh, and, and it's true. And some of the early, you know, people uh, uh, accidentally uploaded benchmarks of, of preliminary units of these over the summer. Uh, uh, and they were listed as having like the AX15 in them or, or something similar, basically a version of the iPad and iPhone chips. And Apple has at least named this chip something different. They call it the M1 which again, does say mobile to me, but it's, it's specifically <laughs> a computer version of it um, with, uh, you know, it's got, it's got uh, four high, uh, you know, efficiency cores and four high power cores. So it can do both very strenuous stuff, but also chill out on the high efficiency cores and not use a lot of power. You know, laptop, listen, any rechargeable battery will lose steam over time. Uh, you know, that said, if you have a MacBook from a couple of years ago, you've definitely noticed like it doesn't stay charged as long as it used to. I'm sure that will be true here, but I'd rather start with 17 hours than, you know, 12. So that's good. That's, that's huge. What about the MacBook Pro? That is supposed to be the more powerful of the two. And I guess what's confused me uh, a bit, and I imagine for some of our listeners, is the fact that they, they both run on this M1 processor. There isn't like a different option for a slightly faster M1. You do get, I think, the option of more GPU cores, but how is the MacBook Pro different uh, and how does it stack up against you know, the Intel-based version, the earlier Intel-based versions? That's a big question I had to think about looking at these three systems side by side. They all have basically the same chip of them. Yes, on the least expensive air, there's like seven GPU cores versus eight, which seems to be a lot more trouble than it's worth just to create a little line differentiation. And when I asked Apple about it, I didn't really get a, a satisfactory answer as, as, to, as to why that is. But in the basic benchmarks I, I started to do over the last few days, I didn't see a lot of daylight between these three. And I even said, if you're thinking about getting the Pro, which is $12.99 versus the Air, which starts at $9.99, and they both, for those base prices, just have eight gigs of RAM and a 256 gig hard drive, well, you know, spend uh, you know spend two hundred bucks and double the RAM, or spend two hundred bucks and double the hard drive on the Air instead of getting that Pro. If you're a Pro user and you're thinking about Pro things like Photoshop and Premiere and doing three D modeling, uh, you know, even don't be don't be an early adopter on this one is my general advice because even Adobe, which is like the company, the software company you most think of when you think about Macs, because uh, they make all those apps that that everybody uses they don't have M1 native versions of those apps yet. Uh, I, I said in one of the, in one of the stories, I, I, I'm shocked that Apple just didn't have a whole bunch of Adobe engineers chained up down in the basement, making sure that at least Photoshop ran on day one. No, it's coming in 2021. Next month, you'll be able to get Lightroom. Okay, I guess. Yeah, that's a big question I have is app compatibility because they didn't really spend a lot of time on it during the presentation. You know, they talked a bit about how some of the Apple apps are optimized so they're more universal, which, yeah, I mean, they're Apple apps. Of course, they're going to they're gonna work on this thing. But there are a lot of questions about these third-party apps. Adobe is, is one that you're not getting Photoshop until next year. Uh, in terms of your experience so far running third-party apps, how has that been? The good thing is Apple has their own emulator. They call it Rosetta. This is Rosetta 2. Rosetta 1 is back from when they switched from PowerPC to Intel. And of course, I went back and, and I have no memory of this, but I found out that I actually reviewed those first Intel MacBooks, some of the first reviews I ever uh, wrote at CNET. And, and the Rosetta emulation actually is pretty seamless. I ran Photoshop. I ran Premiere. I ran a whole bunch of other stuff. And it worked just as well as it does on the Intel versions, but I don't think you're going to see the the speed and performance benefits, the the added headroom until you get the native versions. That said, 
you know, everyone was, it was very upfront and said, you're installing Rosetta to run this, you know, basically x86 program on our, you know, ARM style chip. And it didn't say exactly that. And then Adobe gave me its own pop-up message saying, you're getting the Intel version of this. We're working on the next one, but this will work okay for now. And I found it worked okay. Uh, when I tried to do some, you know, 4K video editing on the Mac mini, uh, which for a $699 little desktop, you would not think you'd be able to do, uh, I was actually able to, to do it and preview most of it in 4K. Usually when you're editing video, you're, you're working on basically pro, you know, either proxy files or you're previewing at a lower resolution. I was able to preview almost perfectly at 4K by using DaVinci Resolve, which is another popular video editing app that does have an M1 native beta that you can download. So I was able to see you know, the difference right there because I went and tried it on the old Intel Air. I have a Core i5 Air from early in 2020 and you know, forget that. Yeah, you brought up the Mac Mini, which was so my next question. I have actually run, I'm running a Mac Mini right now. It's about a year, year and a half old, but it's already kind of sluggish. It's obviously on an Intel processor. Uh, I'm curious what you've seen so far in terms of the, the difference between the Intel versus the M1 powered Mac Mini. Now, do you have an i3 Mac Mini or an i5 Mac Mini? Oh, I knew you were Not that it makes that. a huge difference, but I believe if you got the, the base model. I have the i5, I believe. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the Mac Mini, I, I think, is a really interesting story to tell because it's six ninety nine, but it's got the same M one chip as the Air and as the Pro for the most part, except for that one uh, graphics core thing with the Air, which again, I don't think you'd really notice either. So it's almost half the price of the Pro with the same chip inside. That means you're paying an extra six hundred bucks for the screen of the keyboard. Uh, and frankly, it's it's small. It's delayed. Whenever Apple gets around to updating the Mac Mini, everybody always says. Oh, that's right, the Mac Mini. It's delightful. I love that one. And then you forget about it until the next upgrade. But with everybody working from home, especially if you're doing photo work or video work or you need, you know, uh, uh, you know, some 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 creative, some creative software power, uh, people are turning to the Mac Mini. And I'm sure a lot of them were were purchased over the spring and summer to fit into people's smaller work from home spaces. Uh, it's kind of a bummer they didn't have this for them then, but I, I think going forward, uh, this will be a popular work-from-home setup machine. Well, overall, uh, from your time with these M1-powered Macs, I mean, thinking through who should buy this, uh, are, are there, are, right now, after spending some time, do you recommend that folks snap one of these or become an early adopter, or should be should they be hoarding some of the Intel ones just based on the fact that they can run some of these third-party apps a little better. Uh, and, and the transition isn't quite, uh, you know, there's two years for this transition to really happen. So, you know, for folks who are looking to buy a, a Mac now, who should buy the M1 and who should buy the Intel-powered one? It's interesting. They talked about this two-year transition, but on day one, they took all the Intel-powered MacBook Airs off the site and you can't buy it from Apple anymore. So I, I, think, they're, I think they're accelerating that transition. You could still get them from some other stores, you know, and 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 maybe maybe you should if that's what you're looking for. I, I came down in, into two camps here. If you are mission critical on creative software, on on uh, you know Adobe software, anything else, you don't have to be an early adopter. I would wait till early next year and and see what happens, um, especially once people start getting their optimized uh, M1 versions of software out there. That said, if you were if you're a casual mainstream user and you were about to buy a MacBook Air anyway, and you're going to do the things on your Air that most of us do with our computers, which is go online, web surfing, email, social media, video streaming, things like that, 
that's all browser-based anyway, and the, and the platform architecture on does not really matter. So if you're just going to get a casual MacBook Air for yourself, I so far feel very comfortable saying get the new M1 version because you get the fanless design and you get the much longer battery life and it'll do 99.9% .9 of what you expect it to, maybe 100% even. I, I think that's the best use case for someone buying one of these on day one. If they were already about to get an air, I don't think you need to worry about casual air stuff working on this. And so I guess bottom line, you spent a lot of time uh, with not just these Macs, but also ARM-powered PCs, right? There've been a number of them. I know you've been kind of mixed as to whether or not they're really worth it or really worth your attention. How do these uh, M1 Macs compare to ARM-based PCs? And I know Apple doesn't like the term mobile chips, but frankly, they're, they're off the same architecture, the same design, running iPads and iPhones. Just because it's a different name doesn't mean that it's completely different. Uh, and that's why I bring that up. But similarly, these, these ARM-based PCs are based off of the mobile chip architecture. And the claims of you know, power efficiency haven't really panned out as well as, uh, as they'd hoped. But what do you think? Having spent so much time with both category of devices, what, what, what conclusions can you draw up now? You know, it's the same. It's the same advantage Apple has had in a lot of other areas where they control the full stack. Now they make operating system, they make the hardware, and they design the the chip itself. Uh, whereas on the Windows side, you know, you can even have Microsoft, you know, saying, "Oh, we designed the operating system and the Surface hardware, and we kind of pretend designed the uh, uh, the chip, but it's really." Uh, but but it's really an ARM chip that, that we just kind of co-developed with somebody else, uh, and it's not as it, it's not as seamless. They're not really controlling every part of the stack there. And other Windows PC makers who have done ARM-based machines, again, they're using someone else's chip, and they've not been able to cash the checks they have written with their claims. I've always found that the battery life is not as good as they say it's going to be. The performance is much more limited, and the the software issues. Are, are much more pronounced because you don't have that seamless Rosetta style translation. You just get a lot of messages that pop up and say, we can't install Chrome on this system. And you're like, what? You know, we can't install Steam. You know, you say, well, yeah, you can't install. I, I just had a Surface Pro X, which is a very nice Surface high-end system with a stylus built in, you know, decent performance, decent battery life, uh, but you can't install Photoshop on it because it's it's still an ARM, and there's no there's no Rosetta for that to to get it to run, and that's where I think Apple has has gotten that stuff nailed down before they started shipping, rather than other guys who released the hardware first and then go, how do we clean this up? It definitely looks like Apple at least created a path towards this transition that's a lot more. Seamless, a little bit more easy for, for consumers. Holidays are coming up. Uh, is this something you recommend people pick up uh, during the, the holiday break? I think the Air makes the best case for it. The Pro, I'm a little, uh, I'm still a little fuzzy on the value proposition there. Uh, and the Mini, if you were if you were already looking for a Mini, some people use them hooked up to their TVs as kind of advanced, you know, home media centers. Um, I was able to do 4K video editing on them, but I'm not a professional video editor. My needs are not as intense as, as everybody else. Depends on what platform you're using. But I think the Air, out of the three of those, makes the most sense to me, and it's the one I'll probably use more going forward. All right, well, thanks for your time, Dan. You can check out his reviews on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or send me a text message by signing up at 646-461-4291. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really helps us out. 
for the Daily Charge. I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.